Tired of ads interrupting your favorite show? Good news. Ad-free listening on Amazon Music is included with your Prime membership. Just head to amazon.com slash ad-free fitness to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Enjoy thousands of ACAST shows ad-free for Prime subscribers. Some shows may have ads. Every year, one thing is always predictable. Postage costs go up. Stamps.com gives you crazy discounts of up to 89% off USPS and UPS services, so your business will barely notice the change. Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses just like yours. It's like your own personal post office. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. This is the Secret Library Podcast. Welcome to Season 8, where our theme is wonder. For many of us, when we write, we focus on the end product. We focus on what we want to accomplish and getting it out into the world where others can read it. However, it's just as important how writing transforms our lives. What does writing change about how we experience the world around us? This season, we will have a series of conversations with people who look at how writing has impacted them, how it has changed their everyday experience, what impact writing has had on their lives. I know you will love hearing these conversations as much as we loved recording them, and I hope that by the end, you will have found a pathway to wonder through writing yourself. My guest this week is Lena McCullough, a gatherer of tales, collector of stories, and conduit for the whispers that desire a voice. Her passion for stories started in early childhood where animals spoke and visual tales would float around her until she listened to them. After spending the last 15 years homeschooling her children, she is again back to tending the stories in meaningful ways. Capturing these tales and weaving them with her intuitive writing process has led to her first novel and a budding short story collection. She also curates her blog, Wild Devotion, on Substack, where later this year, Lena will be releasing her novel as a serial and audiobook. Lena is dedicated to the study of life as a mystic, is a nature junkie, avid gardener, and beekeeper. She lives on the treasure coast of Florida with her husband and two children. It's a delight to introduce you to Lena. She has long been a member of the community, and her enthusiasm and passion for writing is contagious. And I knew that there would be some wonder in her writing experience and her writing process. It hasn't always been easy to write. There was definitely a foray into work that took her away from writing for quite some time. But I know you'll be just as enchanted as I was with the process and the experience she's had coming back to writing and putting much more of her attention there going forward. I'm delighted to introduce Lena McCullough. Hey, 
Rena. Thank you for coming on. Hello. Thank you for having me. I always feel like when I when I talk to you about writing, that there's, and then maybe this is my projection, but that there's like pixies flying around and like <laughs> little little fairies coming in the window, and there's like a magical secret garden somewhere. And I'm wondering if that's true. That was the first thing I wanted to ask. Um, absolutely true. Yeah. I knew it. I, knew <laughs> it. I think that it stems from, um, that's how it's always been for me my whole life. Like I have a memory of when I was three and I'm squatting down on the ground in among the cotton fields in Arizona at my grandma's house. And I'm talking to what we used to call a horny toad. I don't know what kind of lizard it is, but it has a little back with like little horns on it. And I'm having this conversation and there's a big, like some kind of raptor up in the, up above me on the power lines. And I'm like having this conversation with both of them. And I, I think that memory holds so strong inside me because it's like this, you've always done this. It's like the, don't forget that this is the way you live. You know, this is how your brain works is you hear these stories and you know, they feel so real and so tangible that I believe in them. So absolutely fairies, pixies. Um, I would love to build a real secret garden, but I do have an amazing garden. So I, it, it, it can, it serves its purpose for that. Yep. So did the, did the stories come first or the desire to write them down? Or I guess if you were three, you weren't necessarily writing them down unless you were extraordinarily gifted at that age. (laughs) (laughs) But how did this, how did this evolve? Not just into, you know, stories you were floating around in and having a great time, but into something you wanted to preserve and possibly share. Um, I don't think. It was never intentional. It's just always been who I was. And um, my fourth grade teacher actually was the first one to like go, you know, this should be something you do. And then there were <laughs> this, there were these, you know, I started receiving awards in school. I mean, and it was just like all these teachers kept telling me, but I, I, I had, I lived in a world where, you know, artists were not, it, you know, when you have a dad that's in the military and you have a mom that's an entrepreneur, um, the, the arts are like, that's a great thing to help you with stress. <laughs> you know, mm. like, that's therapeutic. That's not a job. So I never considered it. Um, and I will tell you by not following that path for many years, it, 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 it like led to depression. It was like forcing something in me that was so innate and not allowing it to be, you know, u- utilized. So, um, intentionally I, um, I think I started actually doing it once my children were born. Um, Like, this is what I need to do. I can't, I can't not do it anymore. Like I had, like, I had been trying to keep those floodwaters back for so long and it just, it just gushed out one day. And it's just been like that ever since. I guess it was more than just the biological waters that broke (laughs) with the children then. Exactly. It really was just like, how can I not do this? How, cause I mean, the, the, I'm, you know, you're a writer too, the amount of journals, the everything, you know, just it would, but it was never with intention. It was almost just like, I had to let them out because the stories would become so overwhelming in my head. Um, and 
it's just, I, I read this um, passage in Catherine May's book, Enchantment, and she talks about how, um, and I'm paraphrasing here. She says, you know, these stories just come to me whole. And then I just do my best to get them, you know, to organize them and get them out there. That's who I am. That's how I've always been. Um, it's gotten me, it got me in a lot of trouble as a little kid because I would be telling what is happening while adding in the stories that were coming to me as I was wandering <laughs> around, you know? And so I was like, and they'd be like, do you need to tell the truth? And I'm like, but this is the truth. You know, I did do that. And this happened, you know? And so, <laughs> so I think intentionally writing kind of, it was just like letting off that steam, just like the story wants to be told. That's what I, that's what I kind of say to myself always now is I am the storyteller for the stories that want to be told. And mm -hmm. they come to me, you know, almost like spirits, you know, and it's like, I need to hear this. You need to, you need to hear this and document this, write this down, let this be known in the world, you know, and there's no way for me to, to know if they're true or not, but, um, I got to do it anyway. Yeah. But then that brings up the question, what does true mean? <laughs> Yeah. I mean, really, it's just, it's almost like I receive, especially when they come, the stories that come from the past, um, from, um, I've been in certain places on this earth while traveling where stories will come up and they feel so visceral that I'm like, almost like, I feel it in my body, you know, like, I, you know, the story of this person that's struggling, I feel that struggle inside. And I really have to disconnect myself and go, okay, I am a storyteller. I'm gathering. This isn't actually happening to me, you know? So can I prove that actually happened? I don't know, but I believe it. And, and when I believe the story and once it's told and I've written it down, there's like this sense of relief, almost like freeing the spirit to be, you know, to move on to the other side or whatever, you know? And, um, and so I just, I allow them to be true, even though, I mean, I write fiction, you know, that's what I do. Um, but sometimes it doesn't always feel that way. Sometimes it feels like I'm the biographer of whatever story needed to be honored, you know, on the, upon the death of that era or that one time it was a tree that was completely cut down in this old, tiny little Southern town. And it used to be the great Oak and they even had like a sign there. Right. But I didn't read the sign. I put my hands on the oak going, oh my God, look at how old this tree is. And it was like, boom, it came up in me. And this tree wanted to tell me what happened and all the things it saw and all the change. And, and, you know, it was just like, whoa, I never had a tree. And that kind of just, that was more of the opening up, I think. Then that, by that point I was already writing. Mm. So it's like, it just keeps more and more layers of this gift of receiving and, and like, you know, wonder, right. That's what we're talking about. Allowing that wonder to play out and not get in the way. Cause sometimes I get in my way and then I can tell when it goes, when I go off the rails and it's my story and it's not the story I'm receiving per se. Well, what happens when that happens? <sighs> it starts to go to shit. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, literally the struggle is real then, you know, like I'm pulling them on my hair and I, and I get up and I start moving around and I'm like, I'm trying to tell the story. I'm not listening anymore because it really mm -hmm. is a matter of intuitive listening. That's kind of what I do. And, um, if I'm really in my body then I know I've, I've stopped listening to the story. Cause usually when I'm listening, I feel very lightheaded and kind of airy and, 
And I, whenever I'm done, I got to go outside and walk around barefoot for a few minutes just to kind of ground myself back in and be like, okay, this is life. Let's do the dishes. Let's clean, you know, do the laundry. What do the children need? That kind of thing. So. So how do you manage? Cause it sounds like there's a lot of them. Oh yeah. So, you know, there's only so much time in the day. There's only so much, uh, so fast you can write or type, you know, whether you're using a pen or a keyboard. So how do you manage all of this coming to you? That's a great question. Um, I think, first of all, I listen for the urgency of what wants to be heard. Sometimes it's just the acknowledgement. I light a candle and I, I go, okay, you know what? I've got some laundry to do. Go ahead. Tell me your story. My candle and I are listening, you know, or um, the dog and I are listening and, you know, I'll repeat some things to the animals, you know? Um, and then sometimes it just has to be written down and I just write it. I'll just sit down and be like, and, and it doesn't have to be so put together, just scraps of ideas. Um, and I save them now because maybe someday there'll be a short story. Maybe someday they will be, um, you know, part of another book. I don't know. But, um, a lot of times it's just that release, the ones that are really urgent that are heavy, um, I mean, there are times where I have to sit down and just have a conversation and be like, I, you know, I can't take this on right now, but let's, let's talk, show me what you need me to hear. And then I, um, I kind of like imagine it floating out on a boat and then going into like a freedom of release. So it feels heard. And I feel like, you know, like released of my agreement and I'm going to listen and then take it and do something with it. Cause sometimes I just, I can't, you know, mm -hmm. and the truth is most of the time I can't. The ones that are really big though, that feel um, important. I do document because it might be something I need to do. Like the tree, the tree I, I wanted. Well, first of all, it was the first time a plant ever talked to me. So I want to, I mean, like told a story, you know, mm -hmm. and it was a good one. So I, I did write that one down. Um, and I had the privilege of traveling. So I had time to sit and do it, you know, um, but a lot of times it's just acknowledging it and letting it flow through me. Um, so I can keep that channel open. I'm really remaining curious of how I'm going, how this is going to keep playing out as my life goes on and more stories become, um, a part of my life where I'm sharing them and, um, allowing them to be, allowing them to be heard, just mm -hmm. getting them out there. Like they are asking, you know, where is that? How am I going to do that? That's what I'm, that's where I'm remaining curious and in wonder right now with. How is it in the process of a larger project? Cause I know you're working on a novel. Mm -hmm. Yes. And if you've got I'm picturing these little story ghosts lining up at the door and, you know, you're acknowledging them, that you and the dog are listening and so on. How does that, like, if you decide to take on a big story, that's a novel, do they then feel related or do they somehow know that you're on that project? And then the ones that show up are connected, or is it still a process of sorting through the ones who appear? Um, no, the, the novel that I'm working on is its own spirit. Um, and it, it came to me, actually, it started off as a dream and it's nothing like the dream. I realized the dream was like 
like most dreams, it is a reflection of how my subconscious wanted it to play out because what it was and, and, it, and what it is now is nothing similar. Um, and most of the stories that I find come through have nothing to do with this. They are completely aware that I'm writing a novel because um, I'm kind of like, this is this is what I'm doing. Um, and also they sometimes help inspire me to get mm-hmm. back into the novel. When the novel is heavy, when it's, um, I'm like, I just don't know how, you know, the critics playing, you know, the evil game of this is terrible. Nobody wants to read this. Why are you even doing this? This is a complete utter waste of time. You know, I have these other stories to document and to write. And sometimes they are so much fun and they help me go see, I can write because mm-hmm. they're giving me a story, but they're all, they're giving me visual story. I'm the one that's bringing the words out. Very rarely do I hear an audio, you know, that I'm like, dict, you know, being dictated to. It, it's very rare that it's a dictation. It's usually like a movie. Mm. So um, that's where I go, okay, see, I can do this. This is not me just, you know, this was what the teacher saw as I was a kid is my writing. They didn't see what was going on up in my head because if they did, they probably would have committed me somewhere, but um. <laughs> Well, good thing we didn't have that happen. I yeah, think that's that right. <laughs> a lot of our process looks to the outside world pretty strange. Yeah, absolutely. But and I'm 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 getting I'm getting better at being okay with that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I can imagine. I mean, so how was it? What was happening if we can linger on the point when this wasn't working so well? Mm-hmm. for the children sort of in the period between the teacher noticing that things were great and the point when you're like I'm doing this anyway how were you managing this and was it just shut away or or what was your relationship to this like um it was just shut away mm. completely um now I did like <laughs> I used to do okay this is kind of funny that you mentioned fairies I used to buy little tiny wooden things and paint them. I used to live in Washington state and um, there are definitely some like, um, there are some areas where people, you know, the locals really believe that fairies live. And I had these two massive cedar trees on my property. So I would make these paint, these little intricate things and like set them out there for them and like make, you know, almost like um, it just, it was a way to let the creativity flow. Mm. Um, but for the most part, completely suppressed. It was very in, you know, I, I worked a very stressful job, which was another distraction. Um, I, I, um, I guess I'm just going to go there. I battled with addiction. It was mm. another way to suppress, um, you know, have a couple drinks, forget about the fact that there, you know, there are these, these things that want to be written and known, um, and I did journal to assist with, like I said, to let off some of that steam, but they weren't, it was all very superficial. When I look at it now, I just see, I'm like, oh my gosh, I was like a, such a hard edge. There's, there was no truth in it. It was just so shallow and mm-hmm. so lacking. And nature was really a place where I could like take a deep breath and be like, okay, I can just wander here and allow the beauty to just soak into my um, cells and like try to heal me from what I'm not acknowledging. Um, And then, you know, like I said, I just reached a point where 
I just had to do it. I was, you know, I never stopped reading. I never stopped going, oh my gosh, I wish I could do that, you know? Um, and then just one day I had to just start believing that I could. Hmm. And how, how has that changed sort of the world around your creativity to have access to that again? Well, first of all, I think I can say that I am, I am definitely living as authentically as I ever have in my whole life by allowing, you know, I had my dearest friend, she quoted it. She, she calls it my writer life. Mm -hmm. Um, It's just, you know, like it's who you are when you talk, you know, you're, you know, like just people mention it like, wow, that was a really great sentence. And I'm like, I was just talking, you know, like, it's just, it's, I've allowed it to fully become who I am. It just embrace it and just let that be. And it's in this last six months, I'm like, okay, how is this going to play out? How does this work with me having a, a job? You know, how does this work with me? You know, um, <laughs> being, being active in the, um, parent action committee at the school, you know, like, <laughs> I volunteer and I'm like, you know, I'm happy to help you with your brochures. It's like, how can I embrace being a writer and um, also still being all these other things in my life? You know, Um, I I have this big dream that eventually the children will be gone and my husband will be retired and I will be traveling a couple months out of every year in our RV and I will go places to hear the stories and like Mm. gather them up. And then like create little books or maybe make a big book of short stories or maybe make one book, whatever. But just so I can keep hearing them and keep listening and keep honoring and um, like clearing the ghosts of stories that want to just be free, you know. And that's kind of, I'm like, so I'm on the training ground right now. That's, that's <laughs> I'm doing all that practice. So I'm like ready to be wide open when that happens. We'll see. I want this image of you sort of as like a superhero undercover, (laughs) you know, like you're, you're helping with these brochures and you're volunteering and you're at the, the parent committee and all of these things, but it's like, I don't know. It's like wonder woman in her regular outfit. And like at any point a story could show up and you can go spin around in the other room and be ready for the story. (laughs) That would be so ideal. It's not reality though, but, um, you know, I, yeah, it's, it's this balancing act, you know? Um, and I love the car. It's a great place to process stories, um, and let them come through and just kind of be released. Um, it's, it's all the, all of the mundane moments are where the create, I let, I can just let it ooze out, receive, let go, receive, let go. And then I'm ready when I sit down to write and be like, okay, what needs to be written today? Where am I at in my novel? Is it a novel day or is it a story documentation day? And um, sometimes it's both. Sometimes it's just one or the other. Um, And most importantly, it's just being on, you know, honoring me, who I am in the activity of being a writer. Yeah. That's beautiful. What feeds this? Because I feel how it feeds you. And I'm wondering, it's almost like if we stay with our our plant metaphor, but I mix metaphors 
worse than anyone I know. I do. Um, I know it's, I can't, I can't commit to a metaphor. I'm like polyamorous with metaphors, (laughs) but there's this sense of it, of it feeding you, like you're out in nature and nature is taking care of you and feeling grounded. I'm wondering, is there anything that you have found that is necessary to keep you in a space where you're able to receive these in a way that feels good? Hmm. Nature is definitely key for sure. I think my ongoing, um, my ongoing conversation that I actively have with source, God, Mm. spirit, whatever you want to call it, it helps that like every morning I walk, it doesn't matter how hot it is. Cause you know, I live in Florida and it's hot more than it's ever cold. That is Um, heroic. I have to say, thank you. I feel heroic. (laughs) Some days days I'm like, why am I doing this? And my dog's looking at me like, why are we doing this? But I do it in the dark now. I just walk in the dark. I'm like, forget Uh it. I'm just going to give up late night awakeness Uh and, you know, be awake early in the morning. Um, So that physical movement helps too. And that's when I have that conversation with spirit and just be like, okay, you know, let's talk, let's work things out. Let's forgive. Let's grieve. Let's do whatever we need to do. And that really feeds me too. I really always come home, even if it's just a mile, cause that's my minimum. Um, I feel inspired, like ready. Like I've worked out the chinks and, um, helps me be, feel more whole. Mm. And if I'm not feeling that when I get home, then it's time to visit the garden or, Honestly, sometimes cleaning the house helps. Um, I joke that my critic is like, it helps me keep the house clean. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Because if the critic is not like, you know, really, when was the last time we did laundry, which honestly is every day, but that critic doesn't care because today's a new day. (laughs) Yep. There's always more laundry. Always. So I think that also feeds me. And then really good books. Mm. Um, I, and occasionally really good stories, you know, on movie, um, because I see stories visually, I try not to always, I'm not a huge TV person, Mm. um, because it, it distorts it. I don't know why I realized this in the last couple of years, I think since 2020, when we did have the, you know, the epic binge watching, I was like, you know, I'm not writing as much. And it's because it's almost like my visual was fed. So Uh, I desire to hear the stories because I was already having that visual input. So I'm careful with that. Now, I'm still a lover of movies and good stories, but um, they need to come from books because then, you know, the audio, the visual is happening. And, but in a way that's not as, um, I don't know just not it's almost like movies or tv are sort of like a poison and mm. they, they they stunt the growth of my visual but where books feed it and i feel nourished and like replenished after i read i don't know it, it it's just a new awareness i've had in the last couple of years and i'm just honoring it maybe it will change who knows but it is what it is well it almost sounds like the yeah the visual you're not able to participate by responding with the visual. It's like they did it for you. So you're just like vegging in response. Great point. Because there are times where I'm tapped 
and I don't want to read and I don't, and I'm just like milling around the house. I'm like, all right, let's just turn the TV on. Let's see what we can find. And then I do just check out like it'll, you know, the half hour HGTV program. I just like, you know, totally didn't pay attention to, but watched. I'm like, okay. Like I just shut it all off for a minute. And so, yeah, thank you. I never even looked at it like that. That's awesome. Well, I think it's, I mean, I have that as well sometimes where if I've done too much, so I always think about it. I think we've talked about this of like the, the, the creative inhale and the creative exhale of like taking in inspiration and then doing something with it. So Mm -hmm. it seems like for reading for you is like a closed loop and that you're taking in material and then you're responding with a visual. And then you can also take in visuals from stories and then transform it into something written but the tv doesn't need that so it's like a closed loop that you're not participating in so you're sort of like what am I doing here (laughs) yes yes I think it's important to know that because sometimes I am too tired to read and I always know I've done too much when I'm like oh I can't I can't read forget it I'm like oh we've gone too far we've worked too much yep yep yeah, that's a big sign for me too. I, I've tapped out my limits. If I don't want to pick up a book, something's wrong. <laughs> yes, agreed, agreed, 100%. I'm like, oh, and then usually I will reread something that's light. That seems to be the way I can get back into it. Or yes. I just need a big nap or to go to bed really early for a few days yes. and then see if it comes back. But but in those moments, sometimes, sometimes I don't want to watch because- it's too much. I'm like, I can't, I get, it's like my, my synapses are fried and I can't inhale or exhale Yes, for a little bit. I don't want to take anything else in. I don't want to put anything else out. I, I'm like, I don't know what's happening. And I'm just bleh, in the middle of it. Yeah. It's so true. And sometimes that's when I clean my closet and then I lay Ooh. down and take a nap. There is something so cathartic about cleaning out the closet or the linen closet, any oh, closet, yeah. you know, behind a door and just, and sometimes I'm like making more of a mess than I'm really helping myself. But, <laughs> but, but those, I don't know, I think bringing some kind of order helps because a lot of what I do feels very much out of order. Oh um, yeah. And, you know, there's nothing better than having the story finished and being like, okay, I'm done. Which really we both know as writers, we're never done with the story, but like- And also that feeling lasts for about like maybe an hour. (laughs) But like, like you, like we talked about um, before, is this good enough? Is this good enough for today? And can I just hit send and let it be? And that's where I have to and sometimes that's how the closet cleaning the closet feels is like, okay, this is good enough for today. And, yeah. and I've, I've done something and now I'm ready to lay down and rest and not do anything and just let, let myself, let all of those nerve endings just be. Yeah. Yeah. It's so important. I'm wondering if someone is listening, as I suspect they might be incredibly envious of your relationship to these stories showing up and thinking I don't have little fairy stories <laughs> crawling in the windows and coming to me out of nowhere and I've never had a tree talk to me 
do you have any thoughts about someone who may have been a situ- in a situation like you in which it was very shut down or your ability to imagine was not encouraged for whatever reason and thoughts about what helped you get started again? I think the first thing I would say is it's time to be gentle with yourself and just trust that it's okay that you didn't honor it for however long or that you suppressed it and just try to see what it feels like to allow that gift to just flow through. You don't have to share it with anyone. You don't have to show anyone. You don't even have to reread it yourself. I don't always reread what I write these stories. Um, Some of them are, they're not pleasant. I don't want to relive that, you know? Um, And just take that first little tiny fairy step, you know, and, and because that's sometimes what it feels like is like the most tiniest, idiotiest, bittiest movement forward. Um, And each one of those movements brings more of that magic back into life. And then it's everywhere. And, you know, there's a story for everything. And you just feel whole. I just had this incredible urge to get something I would be able to call fairy shoes. So I could take a little fairy step forward. <laughs> yeah. Maybe I'll sew them. Oh, that, oh my gosh. That's a brilliant idea. Or knit them. I mean, yeah. yeah. Knit some fairy slippers. Yes. Yeah. I feel like you can't just buy them. No, I feel like you need to make them too. Like mm-hmm. my little miniature. Yeah. Which I found some of those recently and I'm like, I still keep one little table, one little (laughs) chair, just to remind myself, you know, that this was, this was a time in my life and there's always going to be magic, even when you don't realize that you're doing it. Yep. Where do you keep it? I have this really beautiful antique um, set of drawers that used to be part of the post office in the town that we lived in. Oh. And so it still has, oh, it's to die for. I'm like, this forever and ever will be ours, you know? And I, I have a friend who works wood has helped me, you know, keep it good in good condition with the humidity. We have to think about that. And um, there's a drawer with little just special trinkets and things that have always felt magical that I found along the way. Some of them from my children, some of them from definitely my times in life. And I'll just open that drawer. And sometimes I put them out around the house because I need that reminder. Um, and, but they're always safe there. You know, there's something that I could, like a little kiss of, of, of what can be and where I've come from. I love that. Would you be willing to tell the story of your writing desk? <laughs> yes. Okay. I would love to do that. So, um, I am one of the, one of the, um, original members of dream to draft in 2020. Oh, you are all of us. Um, amazing humans that came together to do this crazy thing in the middle of the craziness, which was so perfect by the way. And I was, you know, I had a house full of kids and a husband and two dogs and a cat. And so I was writing in my RV. I literally would go out in the middle of summer in Florida, turn the air conditioning on and then come back 20 minutes later. So I didn't just sweat bullets while I was writing. 
And I would try it in all these different things. And I'm like, you know what? I'm halfway through this novel. I need a space for myself in this home. That's just fine. So I get online and I'm like trying to find a desk. And I kind of mentioned something to my husband off, off, you know, just offhand thinking he's never going to buy me a big giant desk. And he's like, well, if you find something reasonable, let's do it. What we, you know, we'll find a place for you to have this desk. And we're like looking in this house full of children's toys and everything going, where are we going to put this? And I get online and this woman has just posted this beautiful roll top oak desk. And she's asking $100 for it. $100. Unbelievable. Unheard of. It is her father's. Oh. He has, he is, he, he had passed away and she kept all these things, but there was no room for it because it's this big roll top desk. And it has all these little tiny compartments where I can put little tiny. Oh, I totally forgot. I have little tiny fairy. I have a yes! little, and I have these little things that I put in this one little secret drawer that nothing fits in, not even a pen. So I just yeah. put little things in there. Um, and so we went and looked at it. And aside from the top needing to be sanded a little bit, there is absolutely nothing wrong with it. And so my husband looks at me and I'm like, we'll take it for a hundred dollars. I mean, come on. And so yeah. I finished my, my first draft of my novel on this desk. That makes me so happy because I think, I think what, what stands out to me about that, besides the fact that that is probably the best price for a desk I've ever heard of in my whole Absolutely. life. Yes. Is what I'm hearing this whole conversation is that if you make space for it and if you ask for the the creative spirits to show up, they they will. Yes. Absolutely. And to be so excited to receive it. I think the excitement is really important. Um like Let's see what wonder I can get into today. You know, what, I don't know, what magical beast wants to come out and be be heard or seen or written. And, um, and then also, I think, I really do believe this, because I have been opening up and allowing, like the desk pops into my life. Um, those things keep happening to me to support this writer life that I'm creating and, you know, and honoring, really, it's an honor. Um, I treat it just as like a sacred object. It just happens to work through me instead of it being like, you know, something on a desk or something people pray to. It's, um, it's, it's my life. It's, it's who I am. And by allowing that things just keep coming my way. And I, I cannot be feel more blessed every day. Oh my goodness. Well, it's been, I couldn't feel more grateful for being able to have this conversation today. And I'm so glad that I got to hear more and that everyone gets to hear more about your experience. Well, thank you for having me. This has been so much fun. Tired of ads interrupting your favorite show? Good news. 
Ad-free listening on Amazon Music is included with your Prime membership. Just head to amazon.com slash ad-free fitness to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Enjoy thousands of ACAST shows ad-free for Prime subscribers. Some shows may have ads.